Thank you for downloading this podcast and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth, the podcast to help the channel better understand the trends, technologies and concepts that are facing the IT industry today. I'm your host, David Fern, and we hope you enjoy this Arrow production. And please subscribe. Thanks. studio and I've got some uh, some guests obviously my fellow co-host good morning good afternoon good evening and welcome I'm welcome. back I'm back <laughs> <laughs> back in the back in the home counties but we've got some guests so we've got a, a podcast regular yeah Paul Vaughan hi everyone uh, thanks very much for having me again you're always welcome Paul. Mm-hmm. always welcome and we've got a, another guest yeah Liam Mattock from VMware I'm a vSAN sales specialist and working in the UK and Ireland fantastic so so Paul Give us an idea of what we're here to talk about today. Well, Liam's going to tell you about uh, how amazing vSAN is, and I'm going to make sure he tells you the truth. <laughs> but I think I'm going to say something similar anyway. That's um, fine. But really, we're going to talk a, a lot about software-defined architectures, because that's okay. really fundamental to what our customers are trying to achieve, right? Yep. They want to go out and build infrastructures that can help their businesses. They don't want to be encumbered by technology that is slow, sluggish, needs to be agile, needs to be fast, and needs to deliver what uh, their businesses need. Yeah. And vSAN is part of that bigger picture. Okay. So let's, let's, let's dive to start with. Let's just go thousands of view. For the listeners who, who may, or the listeners, the resellers, the partners, who may sort of be coming at this a little bit late, can you give us like a, a little bit of an idea as to what software-defined architecture is, because obviously a lot of people understand what a server is, what a switch is, what a physical piece of Mm. Ethernet is, but very few people will have a real grasp, or they might say they get it, but a lot of people won't really truly grasp what a software-defined architecture is. So can you give us some of the core differences between a software-defined world and a physical world? Well, okay, so it's fundamentally about abstracting those workloads, those applications from the hardware. Right, so you don't have a server stuck in a data center and you put your workload on there and if you suddenly need more compute uh, capability, you've got lots more people coming in trying to use that application, you don't then phone up your reseller, uh, phone up the DSD, phone up the vendor to order, uh, to get a quote to come back to you and then go through that um, procurement stages and take you know two, three weeks. Yeah. If you've abstracted that, those workloads from the hardware, then you can just copy it you can move it to some other location that has got more power, etc. You can do that. But not only from compute, from storage, and from networking. Just like an MP3, right? If I gave you a CD and we all had to share it, we'd have to give it each to each other. Yeah. And it might take several days before we all listen to it. If I give an MP3, I can just give you all one copy, etc. So that's fundamentally the, the thinking behind software-defined architectures, right? Abstracting from the hardware. Now, everybody knows about that and they love VMware for the fact that they've been able to abstract their compute uh, capability from those servers. The question is, is that the end game or should they be thinking of networking that needs to be abstracted from the hardware? Should they be thinking of their storage that needs to be abstracted? Absolutely. So, I mean, it was, it's actually our 20 years anniversary um, on, on Saturday, so a couple of days ago now. Um, and as you say, Paul, you know, VMware... Um, you know, market leaders in the compute space, but that was the kind of advent of software defined, arguably. Um, and now VMware have extended that to include the other core IT services when it comes to delivering infrastructure as a service, which is 
of course, storage and, and networking. So it's about decoupling those three services to drive out cost and, and drive simplification of IT in the data centre. Okay. Good. So then maybe you should give um, folks listening uh, just an overview of what vSAN is and why they might consider it from well, that perspective. Actually, yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm quite interested and I, I know precious little about vSAN, but yeah, just doing a little swatting up before we came in today. I'm, over 10,000 customers are using vSAN. So that kind of tells me something, but... It's actually 12,000 now. Is it 12,000 now? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Since, so, since, since the weekend. <laughs> since, since the weekend. Yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah. <laughs> First, abstract. He's growing There's your answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd like to know why you know, you've been so successful with vSAN and kind of, <clears> you know, where it is now, where it's come from, and, and obviously where you're taking it. And, and I think back to what you were saying earlier, Paul, you know, why people, why we're seeing yeah, this groundswell and this growth in this space, why people are looking at leveraging it. So, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a few factors. I mean, um, one of the, the, the key factors is customers, uh, our customers are looking at modernising their infrastructure. Mm -hmm. They're looking at delivering a, an IT service that is much more cloud-like compared to what they've been trying to deliver with traditional architectures. So that evolution of IT and that modernization of the data center has been driving the hyper-converged market because that is by far you know, the, the best platform to land your IT services on if you're looking at delivering a service that is going to compare or, or even better what's off, on offer in the public cloud. Um, so there's a, there's a massive market opportunity. It's, it's growing at about 110% year on year, so clearly there's a growth market which obviously helps yeah. when, you're, mm -hmm. when you're launching a, a technology. Um, but as well as that, VMware are market leaders in the compute space when it comes to server virtualization. So we've got fantastic reach into a big install base. Um, and then our technology is absolutely you know, enterprise class, a very mature storage product in its own right. Um, and as you said, we've got north of 12,000 customers now, probably somewhat more because we've just closed out our financial year. Um, so no doubt that's going to increase. Uh, we'll, we'll announce an increase on that in the coming coming weeks. So that cloud-like approach effectively allows the IT departments within these clients to to act in a more agile way and and deliver a service level to the line of business, which is more in keeping with I suppose where where a lot of line of business teams are going now, where they have a certain level of expectation mm. because of cloud-based deployments of of business apps and enterprise services. Is that, is that a fair summary? Absolutely. You know, they're, they're delivering an IT service rather than worrying, around, worrying about the lights on and, yeah. you, know, um, you know, in the back of a, a rack in a data centre and worrying about the infrastructure. So 12,000 customers does mean, I would think, I can infer from that, that not everyone's just using as little disaster recovery use cases. That sounds like it's, it's well and truly in the enterprise then. Absolutely. So, um, you know, when we launched the product, as I said, close to four years ago now, um, it was originally positioned, it was a conservative approach to the, to the market. It was positioned for kind of tier two test and dev, these edge mm -hmm. use cases, because we know how critical data is to, to our customers and it was a version one product. It was always highly scalable and, and highly available and robust, but it was a version one product. As you said, that's changed over the past few years, um, adding new features. Um, increasing the scalability um, and, and now kind of the headline use case arguably is vSphere I mean this is the platform for um, virtual machines 
Underneath that, there's obviously many different use cases from business critical applications, test and dev, tier two, mm. EUC is another good example. Yeah, that's that's a fair point, right? When we all first saw vMotion in action and people told us we can run like four or five Windows servers on one box, you know, like no ways. People yeah. who work in the data centers knew that that was looking for trouble. And it was really hard because we had just done things in a particular way. Mm -hmm. Now, the de facto standard is to always abstract the workloads from the hardware. Yeah, right? it's the norm, yeah. So, I suppose folks are looking at their storage arrays, those big boxes, thinking, yeah, but I need to know that it's in that box. To, to put it in my service just doesn't, and yet, once you get over that hurdle, yeah. then it doesn't, it's not a problem anymore, is it? It is, it is a, yeah, it's a disruptive technology. Going back to rack serves in, in most cases, um, one of the reasons VMware couldn't do this when we virtualized compute you know, 10, 15 years ago is because we're relying on you know, 10 gig, we're relying on flash technology and servers. Yeah. Now we can do this, um, we can absolutely, as part of the hypervisor, um, aggregate the storage resources together in those servers and create a virtual shared data store, which mm -hmm. is fundamentally what the storage array um, was, was, is doing. The other thing I was reading uh, this week, uh, a McKinsey report about how disruption, digital disruption in particular, mm -hmm. is driving costs out of businesses. And of course, revenue out of businesses as well, right? We all seem to be earning less money and making less profit, which again, fair enough, the end customers are benefiting from, right? Yeah. But that sort of ties in with what vSAN is doing or software-defined storage, because you're taking uh, the storage target, which are those hard drives and those NVMe flash uh, modules, and putting it into commodity servers. Mm -hmm. You know, these are not specialized boxes. These are boxes that everyone has right now. And uh, it, it, I know there's a, a hardware compatibility list, but if someone has bought, you know, relatively recent new um, compute nodes, there is a, a strong likelihood, if they check and make sure and verify that it's part of the HCL, that they just need the hard drives, the, the, the SSDs, and they can build a storage array. Absolutely, it's just a, an I/O controller, RAID controller, HBA, whatever term you want to use for, for that right. device component, and then the, the disk technology and those servers. Most commonly, customers are buying a certified um, ready node, which is a right. concept VMware created to simplify the, the procurement and deployment of the x86 server for vSAN deployments, um, and that's from you know pretty much every you know server vendor out there. So there's loads of choice mm. for customers. So. I suppose to sum it up, what you're trying to say is, and actually you're very, you're absolutely right. What you're saying is that, you know, if you look at a lot of the major manufacturers who have been dedicated big storage manufacturers for years and years and years, actually, all they've done is put software on x86 hardware and just bolted hundreds of disks to it. Right at the end of the day, even some of the biggest enterprise-grade storage arrays from some of the biggest vendors are just very powerful servers that are controlling an infinitely large amount of disk and all the I.O. that goes through mm. it. So it makes perfect sense. But I suppose my question to you isn't necessarily about the maturity of the, of the technologies, about the maturity of your product compared to other players in the marketplace. And a lot of people will be sitting here thinking, you know, I get that the, the, there is an absolutely benefits to having a software-defined storage layer or storage platform in my world. But is it going to give me all the features and functionality that a traditional storage array would give me from one of the major manufacturers? 
Okay, so, I mean, the development and the amount of features and engineering that VMware has delivered to the market with vSAN over the past kind of two or three years, mm. it's, it's, it's phenomenal, basically. Um, and it has all, the, all of those types of features you would expect from an enterprise storage array. Things like dedupe, compression, um, erasure coding, which gives you the ability to do RAID 5, RAID yeah. 6 protection. Um, stretch clustering. There's no easier way to do a virtual stretch cluster than using just stretching hypervisor. There's no yeah. additional appliances or software. Mm. It's all built into the hypervisor now. We can do longer distance replication with vSphere replication. We can do snapshots and clones today. Um, potentially, and you, and you can pull out. Say, some uh, one a host breaks. That's fine. Everything just continues. Absolutely, okay. yeah. The, the engineering that's gone into um, the way maintenance mode operations are handled, right. you know, we've had to change that because fundamentally that um, ESXi host is now a storage controller. So yeah. there's lots of considerations when you go into maintenance mode. So effectively, you're now taking a storage controller offline for that operation. Mm. But vSAN's been engineered to handle that. Right, so if, if, if an end customer listening to this has about 20 hosts and one host breaks, everything just continues. Absolutely. If you've got one storage array, you better go and buy yourself another one, because if one breaks, you need to have another one. So suddenly the cost is quite a lot more when you have to build two storage arrays every time, whereas in this instance, the software-defined storage approach, everything is sort of um, shared. shared across. Yeah. Mm. And the x86 server is now the building block for the data center, in the same way that you know, the big hyperscale um, public cloud providers build out their infrastructure. And that granular building block um, provides that linear cost model, and it you know negates the need to invest you know yeah. huge amounts of of, of, of money in a uh, storage every three or five years. So it's more mm -hmm. of a consumption-based model again, fitting into the the, the cloud-like piece yeah. when it comes to actually procuring infrastructure. Right. So you so you're saying if you if you have a look over the lifetime of a infrastructure, it's pretty much cost-effective then and it's certainly worth considering just from the cost of it it might end up being a whole lot cheaper going down this path than trying to build these bespoke elements absolutely and okay. one of the other big benefits to that is the speed of IT with many customers who've invested in this technology in the enterprise have invested in it because of the speed of IT and the time to market mm -hmm. challenge because we had one customer that you know, projects were stalling upfront in procurement because if they were out of capacity yeah. in a you know big traditional array, they needed to get approval for a you know six figure even seven figure sum, yeah. which clearly was a long procurement process which delayed projects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, they have literally you know a kind of a catalog option on x86 servers, different shapes and sizes of ready nodes, which they can just procure within you know days, days yeah. and then projects are not stalling. So it stops the lives of business potentially looking, in some instances, to use the public cloud yeah. to resolve challenges with traditional IT. Which obviously then cuts down on the shadow IT uh -huh. issues. waiting for you to got, say that. That you've got, at the end of the day, you know, the developer or the, or the service needs to be spun up within a time that's appropriate to the business rather than the IT department, then absolutely that's the direction you're gonna go in. Yeah. I think the other thing that I find quite intriguing about vSAN is that it's, really a very low risk option. Mm -hmm. It's virtually no risk because you're talking about the hypervisor, ESXi is absolutely by far the standard that people will use when they want to bet their businesses on a hypervisor platform, mm. right? They know it works, it's always worked, it's rock solid. 
and now vSAN is just like another feature like vMotion is, like DRS is. It absolutely, and it is a cluster feature, yeah. that's where it's enabled. We, we obviously license it separately because there's a lot of engineering effort and a lot yeah. of costs that VMware are you know, pumping into the development software, so we need to recoup some revenue, right? So it is licensed separately. But it is a cluster feature. It needs to be thought of as, mm. like HA, like DRS, that's where you enable this, this vSAN software. So, coming away from sort of the features, clearly the features are on par and parity with the sort of big server storage, or sorry, the big storage uh, vendors, which is amazing and quite unbelievable compared to, you know, considering the amount of time that vSAN have actually had or VMware mm. have had to develop this product into a very mature enterprise grade oh, storage platform yeah. compared to the others. Um, what is the performance like? Because obviously you're very beholden to the, the actual server you're using. The server's being shared between doing VM type stuff and doing storage type stuff. What's the performance like? And especially when you need to start to gather data from boxes where the storage isn't local to that VM. It's yeah. obviously on you know, <coughs> two boxes down the rack. What's, what, what's the performance? Comparability. I mean, the performance. I mean, typically we, we, we talk about all flash today, first of all. So that is an x86 server with um, all SSDs or all flash devices, mm -hmm. NVMe, whatever. Um, hybrid solutions, which is a combination of flash and spinning disks. We typically, you know, I, I don't work with many customers that are deploying hybrid today. Um, they are very performant mm -hmm. um, if we're, you know, um, having read caches, uh, read hits when we're, when we're talking about the cache layer. In terms of all flash, I mean, we're forever doing bake-offs because, you know, customers, um, and we work with kind of customers that are very sensitive to, to performance, um, things like bookmakers, for example, where it's a big race day and they need, you know, to make sure that their platform yeah. is going to perform is critical to their business. So they, they do kind of performance benchmarking and bake-offs against different solutions in the market. And, and typically, you know, we always outperform because... We are built into the hypervisor, we're built into the kernel, which means there's less hops to get to the, the actual data itself. And there are significant benefits in that. Um, you know, we've, I think Intel did some testing recently where, where it was NVMe in both tiers, and they were driving about 150,000 hops out of a single host. Um, and in these customer benchmarks where, you know, they are absolutely using real representative uh, workloads. Yeah. They're driving kind of eighty thousand hours out of a single host. So performance really, it's kind of coming a little bit of a commodity because mm -hmm. the, the, these boxes are so it's fast. It's the NVMe, isn't it? It's exactly. Plugged into PCIe bus. So hold it. So you basically saying that out of the twelve thousand customers, you've got e-gaming uh, customers who are doing work with vSAN. <coughs> e-gaming, health, uh, you know, government, um, finance, manufacturing, manufacturing. It's there's across no across the board. There's no specific vertical that wow. you know this plays in more than another because as I said the headline use case is vSphere yeah no of course and that makes perfect sense because vSphere has become the de facto standard for how you run your run your infrastructure so actually it makes perfect sense that this should then subsequently follow as a very uh, broad range storage solution so can I just come back to the risk topic so with performance with scalability Yep. with the ability to deliver a, a level of service back into the business that allows us to, to take a level of control over the likes of shadow IT. From a risk point of view, I mean, you still see a lot of enterprises running mission-critical apps on proprietary compute. 
I'm just really interested in, yeah, with the powerful message that you've got, are you seeing people step away from that, what they've, what they've known, what's been potentially the core of a very small number of, of apps in their business, but absolutely critical. Are you seeing this migration to migration or <coughs> uh, yeah have you got that ability to kind of you know live within an environment where you've got an element of the commodity and the flexibility and the scalability plus retain what is obviously yeah, to a certain extent maybe to some clients you know the crown jewels so I mean it's it's a mix really to be honest with you we've got you know, say smaller customers, which, you know, um, in, in kind of the mid-market, yeah. you know, it doesn't make sense for them to have different platforms for different um, so environments. There's a consolidation. There's a consolidation and, and t you know, we've got, you know, hundreds, thousands of customers that are doing everything, the mixed workloads, which will include business critical, mm -hmm. everything on, on, a, on a vSAN platform. Um, and then the large enterprise, you have... Um, some customers that initially start deploying as a kind of a test and dev use case or yeah. in a DMZ or staging or whatever and then it's not long before they are comfortable with the technology and start deploying it for their business critical applications when the next refresh comes up of whatever infrastructure that's running on. And then we've got other customers, again, you know, large banks, retail, um, you name it, um, running mission critical applications on, on, on Visa. We've got um, a large bank with who's deployed seven petabytes of all flash going to be deploying up to 24 petabytes wow. of all flash worldwide we've got um, large utilities companies in the UK that have deployed over two petabytes and all their virtual services including of course um, business critical applications are running on vSAN um, so it's yeah it's, it's, it's a complete um, you know mixture but absolutely customers are doing that yeah, that's very telling this sounds I, I promise you we can go back 15 years ago <coughs> exactly. and it will be the exact same conversation With except we don't have vSphere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. People are like, yeah, I've, I've, we started doing SQL now, Exchange is yeah. on there, yeah. yeah, it's no problem. <laughs> no, no one cares. Yeah, well, and I remember that exact, I, I remember that conversation very, very vividly <laughs> because when I first started my first job, it was literally, it was against, it was bucking the trend to virtualize yeah. and then within five years it became well, why aren't you virtualizing? Mm -hmm. Now, interestingly, there was there has been one that I haven't seen, and I think it's because of the power of what the private cloud can do now. But we were all talking five years after the sort of okay, virtualization has become the de facto. To actually, in five years' time, we'll be picking up the phone and going, "Well, why do you need a server? Why aren't you putting it in the cloud?" But actually, that hasn't come about, yeah. and I think it's because of the power of what the on-premise data center can now do. Absolutely. You can have a cloud. You can have it your way, in your spot, and actually you can leverage the hybrid cloud if you need to. Yep. So on that very topic, what are how does um, vSAN sort of play with other parts of the data center, other parts of the, well, what I like to call the data center, which is public cloud and things like that. Is there a strategy that you can you know, leverage uh, remote sort of cloud providers and things like that to, to create hybrid <coughs> storage. So you're basically saying you've got a workload, you're committed to vSAN, but now suddenly you want to expand yeah, so you go into for for a batch for a batch purpose, for okay. analytics, for all those sorts of things. Okay. How how does yeah, how does it essentially stretch out? 
I mean, that's more about VMware's cloud strategy rather than the vSAN. vSAN is providing, you know, an on-premise um, storage service, if mm. you like. Um, and you'll, you'll obviously know that VMware's cloud strategy has pivoted somewhat over the past kind of 24 months. Yeah. And it's very much about providing our customers with choice in mm -hmm. terms of which cloud they, they, they want to land on. Um, obviously, we've had some big announcements with AWS, um, which is effectively um, Cloud Foundation running in a AWS data center on their x86 servers. And Cloud Foundation includes vSAN as the software-defined storage component. So we are landing you know, vSAN in you know, the enterprise um, public cloud, mm. um, and customers have the ability to move services from on-premise to, you know, a public cloud provider or one of our many, um, you know, service providers that, that also yeah. offer the... so that's exactly what I'm trying to get to. So what, you, what you're basically saying is that actually someone can leverage vSAN in the cloud, they can vSAN on-prem, so essentially the skill sets that they've <coughs> learned and developed and honed and all of the processes are completely transferable no matter where your workload is. It goes beyond VSAN really. We really talk about the software defined data center and arguably that's the enabler because it's the same software defined data center on premise or in yeah. the public cloud. And again, I think if folks are sitting listening to this, especially if you're not an IT business, right? If you an accounting firm or some other types of you don't have money and resources to pile into really expensive IT resources. Mm -hmm. But you do know that your people can spin up these VMs. And when you spin up a VM, you go into a vCenter and you click on things like, do I want DRS, do I want HA, do I want FT? Well, guess what? There's another tab in that same vCenter where you say, do I want to use vSAN? It's another bunch of ticks. And the, you know, the associated uh, characteristics with that tick when you say, I want vSAN, you know? What is my protection groups and all of that stuff. And guess what? There'll be a tab there for NSX. So you go in and again, you're, you're sticking these features. So the same people that are using or operating your, your data center today can do all your storage, all your networking, all your management. I think that's a really good story yes, for organizations. It's what you were saying before we start, Paul. You, know, you, you do as an organization, as a non-IT yeah. unit, as an overall organization. You're reducing risk because you know what? You're not stepping out of your team's comfort zones. You're yeah. leveraging sweat in both your capex and your opex. And yeah. um, quite frankly, yeah, you've got the ability to to take a step forward as a business and adapt and change and break that cycle of continuing to throw your budget at what you've always thrown your budget mm -hmm. at, which is expanding the capacity of <coughs> the buckets of storage that you've got, throwing money at cloud services which actually when you stretch out for two three four five years you know what just doesn't make economic sense yeah. and sweating what you've already got plus not having to worry about bringing in a whole raft of new skills to support mm. your business over the next two three four years mm. so just going sort of all all the concerns i can think of so virtualization big tick in the box Software-defined data center starts to bring in other skill sets, fundamental skill sets that people have had in the data center for years and years and years. We've seen, I, I'm, I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to say a hesitance to adopt things like uh, software-defined networking. Yeah. And I think a lot of that hesitance has been that the combination of the server management team, where virtualization was an obvious transition and it all made sense, to actually incorporate the network team into the server team has been, has been a little bit of friction. 
and actually I think that's for me held up a lot of the mm. sort of mass adoption of, of that I think because people are worried about their jobs people are worried about their skills end of the day we're talking about human beings here yeah have you seen the same sort of patterns in the storage because obviously a lot of these big organizations and some of the medium-sized organizations had guys who were dedicated to managing these behemoths of, of you know monolithic <coughs> storage arrays be they from vendor one or vendor two and then the sand fabrics that came with them and that was their domain and they felt very protective over that domain yeah and then the server guys sat over there and then the network guys sat over there oh. obviously software defined data center brings all this into one it thing does. before we answer that, i'm going to play devil's advocate Go on. Well, what we're not yeah what we've spoken about over, the, over this podcast is not a massive stack change that we're talking about yeah, you, you've in essence got a range and a set of technologies that allows you to take the gradual approach. This, this is back but, to... But at the same time, you've got, you've got people who are looking at this and going from, okay, my job was managing this, this thing to my job is managing this slice of this thing. And more importantly, this slice of this thing, which actually relies upon someone else to... And, and this is the thing. This is not a logical argument. This is very mm. much an emotive argument that we see... Every it is because that could be quite blunt and there. You know, you've got to get with the program. But, but the reality but is, that's that's. that's I, I, I find that yeah. the, in the in the kind of the the, the mid market, you know, typically, um, you know, storage and computes very closely together, and yeah. often it's the mm. same one, yeah. two, three guys. And they're very like appreciative of the fact that you've collided it all up. Absolutely, over, yeah. Which they, they, it, it helps their life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The large enterprise. Um, Probably more so with the networking is, is a bit more of a challenge. Again, storage and, and compute naturally sit a, a little bit closer together yeah. um, and skills overlap a little bit more. Um, so we do find, you know, it, you know, the storage guys potentially, you know, reskilling in, in, in more towards virtualization and, yeah. and software defined storage, absolutely. Um, but also in the large enterprise, there's still a load of other workloads in there yep. that fall outside of virtualization. Mm -hmm. You know, big data, you know, large file service requirements, that there are other workloads out there and there are other um, appliances and storage arrays that need managing for that yeah. purpose. So it's, again, it's, it's a little bit of a... So that does actually bring me quite neatly onto another topic of what falls outside of the sort of... What's this not good at? Because obviously we, we get that... A lot of this stuff is very good, but is there anything that really stands out as something that you wouldn't want to use vSAN for? Well, first of all, I mean, the, as I said, the obvious use case is if your virtual machines are virtualized. Uh, sorry, if your servers are virtualized. Yeah. <laughs> um, virtualization on top of virtualization. But yeah. We do see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, then that's the obvious, the obvious use case. But I often get asked, well, what about file services, which is mm. a, the, the other obvious kind of um, storage requirement? And if you've got, if those services are already virtualized using Windows file services or some other um, virtual appliance, then naturally that can fit on vSAN. But if you've got hundreds of terabytes of file mm. services, then maybe you know that's best kept on a, a purpose-built yeah. NAS device. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really any large workloads that fall outside of server virtualization, then maybe there is a, a better, you know, a, not necessarily a better platform, but a platform that's 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 built for that purpose. Yeah. That's fair enough. It's more appropriate towards that direction rather than away from it. And then you also said about big data. So big data, obviously, you know, if you look at the classic Hadoop world, that's fundamentally HDFS, which is the file system technology that underpins that, is fundamentally a software-defined storage platform. Would you say that vSAN could 
you know, augment or, or complement. Absolutely. And we've got, you know, we've got many kind of technical white papers written about running Hadoop on, on vSAN and other big data Perfect. applications. Yeah. Um, so we, we do have those use cases. Obviously, the most common use case is, you know, your traditional um, virtual servers. Yeah. Um, but we do have um, those other edge use cases, if you like, as well. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Look, and there's a twinkle in his eye when he talks big things. <laughs> mm. Do you love it? Do you love it? Look, that's good. Thank you very, very much for your time today. It's been absolutely no brilliant. And uh, yeah, yeah thank you. Speak to you again soon. Thank you for the invite, guys. It's Man, been great. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, chaps. Bye. 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 See you later. Bye.